Kali merhaba dear listeners. This is Meltem calling from Düsseldorf. Happy New Year. Kali Hronya. Yeni yılınız kutlu olsun. This is the first episode of Sesta, the new podcast from Island Talks, a podcast celebrating Cypriot culture. Before we begin, I'm sure most of you know, but let's define what Sesta means for everyone, particularly for our friends who are not Cypriots. Sesta is an authentic crafting technique from Cyprus. It involves colorfully decorated wheat straws, which are banded together to be mainly used as home or kitchen materials. In the last years, the technique has also been employed within the context of sustainability and when preparing souvenirs. This podcast is named after Sesta, as we aim to bring together the different cultural colors of Cyprus with an authentic and inclusive approach. You might ask yourself this question, why is a podcast on Cypriot culture necessary? Cyprus, as you all know, is a divided country. Despite many years of division, physical separation, alienation, indoctrination and propaganda, people from all communities have been trying to connect with each other through different forms of cultural productions like novels, poems, music, films and paintings. Artists never stopped reminding us the humanity of the so-called others. For instance, it was Neshe Ashen who dared to write as early as 1974 and in a highly nationalist sociopolitical context the pain of division in her famous poem, Which Part? She writes, My father says, Do you love your fatherland? My fatherland has been split in half. Which part must I love? Later, in 2006, it was Nora Najarian who poignantly depicted the absurdity of separation in her short stories collection, Lidra Street. She writes, The city will follow you and remind you every day that you're trapped in the south, that there is also a north, another side beyond checkpoints. That north and south do not necessarily mix and years change and some facts stay the same. History only changes drastically and beautifully from page to page in history books. Or it is Panikos Chrysanthus, 2006 film Akamas, which still reminds us the simplicity of tolerance with the following words. There's only one God. They call him Christ. We call him Allah. Examples are endless, and it is exactly the aim of this podcast to bring into light such great works which contribute to the establishment of a culture of peace in Cyprus. Sesta will serve as a platform where artistic productions will be reviewed, intellectuals will be interviewed, and the meanings of Cypriot identity will be discussed through arts, culture, literature, and cultural heritage. Speaking of cultural heritage, today I will be talking about St. Nicholas Cathedral or Lala Mustafa Pasha Jami. I wanted to begin Sesta with the elaboration of this building, which personally means so much to me as a person from Famagusta, and because this building and its great square have been great witnesses of Cypriot history. I consulted Hajar Bashar's 2008 article called Reflections of Change at the Crossroads of Different Cultures, a 700-year-old building, St. Nicholas Cathedral, for obtaining more information on the history and architectural meaning of the building. 
The construction of St. Nicholas Cathedral dates back to 1300s, and it is believed that the building's construction was completed around 1400s. The building was constructed when Cyprus was under the control of the Lysanian dynasty. Therefore, it does not come as a surprise that the building has a northern French Gothic style and is reminiscent of the Latin period of Cyprus. Apart from its grandeur, St. Nicholas Cathedral witnessed some significant events in Cypriot history, such as the coronation of Peter I in 1360, who was the king of Jerusalem and Dominia. More than a hundred years later, in 1472, the aristocratic Venetian Caterina Cornaro married James II at St. Nicholas Cathedral. Ironically, the abdication of Caterina Cornaro also took place at the cathedral in 1489. So, she both embraced and lost power at the cathedral. Caterina Cornaro was the last queen of Cyprus, and her abdication meant a power shift from the Lusignan dynasty to the Republic of Venice. In the future, I would like to devote an episode to Caterina Cornaro and elaborate on her life. If you have knowledge on Caterina Cornaro, please feel free to contact me via Island Talks. Given the historical events which St. Nicholas Cathedral hosted, it is clear that the cathedral was more than a place of worship, but rather a symbolic building with a political meaning, facilitating power shifts in medieval and early modern eras. And probably, the political importance of the building was most obvious in 1571, when the Ottomans conquered Cyprus. Once the Ottomans took control of the island, they converted the building to a mosque, namely Lala Mustafa Pasha Mosque. During the conquest, the northern and southern parts of the cathedral were impaired, whereas the eastern and western parts were better preserved. The contemporary image of Lala Mustafa Pasha Mosque is actually based on the western side, which is the best preserved. Once the Ottomans took control of the island, the frescoes and paintings inside the building were whitewashed, and the conversion of the cathedral to a mosque was finally realized with the addition of a minaret at the western doorway. It goes without saying that Lala Mustafa Pasha Mosque is of great historical, cultural, political and architectural values. However, like I've said at the beginning of this episode, the building also means so much to me at a personal level, which is why I'm dedicating this first episode to it. I run into Lala Mustafa Pasha Mosque regularly for the first 18 years of my life, but it was only last year when I actually realized its meaning and importance within my own identity. Due to some unforeseen happenings last year, I had to walk a great deal and noticed how little I knew of my home city. While finding myself in the history-soaked side streets of Famagusta, not only did I come across the very building blocks of Cypriot culture, but of myself. I was passing by the very house I was born, the very school where I used to attend unwillingly, the club where I used to play chess as a child, my grandmother's mother's house and their neighbour Huliapla, with whom my grandmother would spend hours knitting and talking and my grandma's aunt, who has been using the narrow street of her house as if it was her own private veranda for the last fifty years at least. I was coming across my own personal history, which I used to neglect, hide, or even suppress in the end of all to convince myself of the impossibility of living at a post-conflict island. Maybe. 
while walking next to the moat of Famagusta under the invincible and dazzling sun of Cypriot autumn, I was setting myself Lala Mustafa Pasha Mosque as the reaching goal. No matter what time of the day, I was looking towards my reaching goal as I was taking my steps one by one and patiently, just like a pilgrim. And while looking at the centuries-old building, which witnessed the birth and the death and the war and the peace long before my time, the feeling inside me was very obvious. Belonging. I was finally belonging. Don't get me wrong, it is not like I don't appreciate my life abroad, but none of the palaces and gardens and piazzas and fountains and monuments and mountains are giving me this odd feeling of belonging, which I thought I forgot. And finally I discerned, this cathedral with a minaret is actually me, and you, and all Cypriots, constantly witnessing the happenings of history and being moulded and bended with them. This damaged building and its square, and the 700-year-old sycamore fig tree in that square, are historical accidents, political desires, or humanly ambitions and passions, but no matter what they are, no matter what they witness, no matter how many respectless tourists threw their plastic coffee-to-go cups into their facades, no matter how many pigeons sat on their lips, they're eventually nothing but Cyprus. So confused, so war-torn, yet still very much alive.